Did you know podcasts reach millions of people every month? Podcast advertising is a great way to reach new customers. In fact, you'll be speaking directly to them. Visit audiometric.io now to find out more. back and forth with Vanessa and Rax in this episode. I don't know if I was having a bad day when I watched this, but things were just rubbing me wrong with this whole episode. That was probably the funniest bit out of the whole cartoon right there. T-Bob the Nutcracker. That was hilarious. Maskcast. Computer, scan files. Select mask agents best suited for this mission. Jason Gross, radio broadcaster, retro gamer, blogger, mask movie co-writer, vehicle code name 6000, 80s guru skills critical. Wyatt Blue, broadcast technician, DJ, airman, mask movie co-writer, vehicle codename Phoenix, 80s analysis vital. Personnel approved. Assemble Mobile Armored Strike Command. Welcome, listeners, to MaskCast 41 and another fun episode review of Mask the Animated Series, better known as Mobile Armored Strike Command. We appreciate everybody tuning in as we examine episode 30, entitled Lost Riches of Rio, which will include our usual play-by-play commentary and our personal ratings and your feedback through our agentsofmask.com website. We invite your interaction prior to each podcast by participating in the MaskCast assignment in the right-hand column on our homepage, which includes a 1-5 to scale poll and a comment section to leave your own reviews that we will read back on the air. The Lost Riches of Rio was originally broadcast on November 8, 1985 in the U.S. and features Venom stealing a seemingly worthless painting in Rio de Janeiro. Mask, however, learns that the painting may actually contain a secret map to lost Nazi treasure. I am one of your humble hosts, Jason, and with me as always on this podcast journey is my co-host and longtime friend, the Thomas Magnum to my Higgins. Wyatt, how are you? I'm doing pretty cool, driving around here in my Ferrari (laughs) with my really cool, almost like seemingly porno mustache. (laughs) <laughs> well, nowadays, yes, it would be considered that. I think so. I don't know. Back in the day, that was the one mustache to rule them all. <laughs> and he still wears it. Although there was one, one time that I've seen him um, mustache-less, bald, whatever you want to call it. And that was uh, back on Friends there in the 90s. But oh, yeah, he was... Uh, he was Monica's boyfriend for a while, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Uh, and it was kind of comical because I think the line was, your lip went bald. <laughs> and it, that was the first time, in fact, I had a hard time recognizing 
Tom Selleck there. But I yeah. remember watching that show, and I, I, what little I do remember, uh, I believe I was well entertained. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, it's been a couple years that I went through the first, oh, probably two seasons of the show, and uh, yeah, it was it was still entertaining. I'm, you know, of course, the fashion is <laughs> uh, kind of comical at times now when you watch these old shows, but uh, Magnum P.I. I thought was a great show. Of course, yeah, we loved the uh, the Ferrari that he drove around, and then, of course, I liked uh, T.C.'s helicopter and the uh, Island Hopper's van that he had every once in a while that you'd see on the show. Well, the thing is, I, you know, uh, Hot Wheels had those new generation or, or those the, the little the retro series right uh-huh. and i still do not remember that van i remember the helicopter distinctly uh-huh. but i i just cannot at all and it, it, i haven't watched it since i was a kid yeah i don't remember that van whatsoever in fact i thought it was a like a fluke that they made a van out of it for yeah i don't i don't think so i know that the helicopter was more the the primary uh, vehicle when he was around TC, but um, I couldn't say for sure that it was on the show, the van, but um, I had to go out and collect both of those when those were out. Right. <laughs> so, well, um, let's uh, let's get past Magnum P.I. and uh, let's go back into uh, Mask and what's happening in the Mask community. <laughs> This segment's pretty quiet. The uh, last couple of weeks have been kind of slow for uh, me personally and you. I guess uh, we haven't been posting much uh, up on the Facebook and, and Twitter and our website. But, you know, it is the holiday season. Things tend to slow down. And there's been a couple things I did want to share, though. Uh, one of those was uh, in one of the Mask uh, Facebook groups guy named Tim Ellis, he posted a pretty cool drawing that was one of his own personal uh, designs that he called a strike-off design, which actually became the first promotional comic book cover for Mask in the U.S. And I recognized it right away because I've been wanting this issue for a while now, and I've had my eye on it on eBay. Um, but it was, uh, I, don't know, I don't know if it was a, an actual comic book or if it was one of those inset comic books in one of the you know normal ones right. back in the day but uh, it's pretty cool it's all white and it has uh, pictures of uh, three agents I think on each side and there's a picture of Boulder Hill and I think um, maybe Matt Tracker or Thunderhawk in the middle um, so that was pretty cool that he posted that and was actually the person that designed that so Very cool. that was uh, that was fun to see and then uh, I did post a couple more of the the panorama pictures that I pulled uh, from this episode. Actually, Lost Riches of Rio. Uh, there's a good shot of Rax chilling with Vanessa, looking on, and um, there's also one of Rhino transformed. And uh, so I just wanted to pass along. Uh, just take a minute to check out our Agents of Mass Pinterest page again. And uh, we're up to 136 total pins now. 29 of those are those panoramas that I'm pulling from the the cartoon footage itself. And uh, there's a board up there for those animated GIF images and uh, screenshots, collection pics. There's random stuff. So pretty much everything that I <laughs> I save or I'm using for 
you know, an article or something, I I end up putting there on Pinterest. So go ahead and uh, check that out. It's just Pinterest.com backslash Agents of Mask. That's about all I had. Did you have anything else uh, going on? I know we uh, just got through the holiday season here and Thanksgiving and Christmas is upon us. Right. The only one thing I wanted to mention is, uh, in fact, if you're listening to this, it's probably too late to take advantage of it. But uh, I wanted to give kudos or shout out to two of our mask agents, so to speak, Matt Tracker, Bill Ferries, and uh, Eric over at BoulderHill.net. They were offering uh, discounts for their merchandise. Uh, again, we know it's a little belated now, but I want to really just give a shout out to them for their admiration and, and really just using their own merchandise capital, their, their expertise to really just if nothing else, to bring back mask in their own way, just like we are. Yeah. And it's. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, say a hearty thank you for continuing to publish mask. <laughs> yeah. And actually, um, I just rebuffed the. Uh, we do have a merchandise page uh, on our website, which it's not just our stuff. I have done a few designs that I've put up on. Uh, I think we use Zazzle, the, uh, the website to. Uh, put our stuff out there, but I've also got links and actual images and stuff from the Matt Tracker store and the BoulderHill.net store on Redbubble, and that's where those those discounts were. But um, this still, I mean, there's there's some great designs out there. Uh, you know, being the holiday season, there might be another chance to uh, to to use a promo code or something come up, some sales. So uh, just be tuned into that uh, merchandise page there. I've also got some other designs, actually not by those two uh, fellows, but um, there's a couple other designers out there that have done mask stuff. Uh, there's one shirt that has, it's the, it's like the toy images of, I think, three or four vehicles stacked up on there. And there's one that has the, on the outlaw vehicle, it says snake oil. And it's got that logo basically right across the front of the shirt. It's a pretty cool design. So uh, so just go over to that page. There's also a link to uh, the DVD sets on Amazon. I keep those up there. And I was thinking there was something else. Oh, it, I, think, I guess it's just our store. There's a little uh, widget that has uh, a few of the designs that I've made. The uh, Keep Calm and Spectrum On and those... Uh, those poster type things, uh, little parody stuff that we did. So you can go and check those out as well. But yeah, that's uh, thanks for pointing that out because it's fun to do new stuff like that. And I wish I had more time to do some more designs. And we've Thank actually come up with some, we've come up with some ideas for for future stuff. But uh, maybe someday we'll get to those and get to put those out there. And maybe somebody will want to want to wear something like that. Um, for actually, I can. I, I will go ahead and say I'm, I'm trying to work on some designs and stuff for the 30th anniversary coming up next year, and for Mask Day, trying to work some stuff out behind the scenes, and uh, hopefully we'll come up with some cool stuff for that, and we can kind of put it out there to the fans so they can go out and snag some T-shirts or stickers or something maybe uh, next year for a commemorative, you know, 30th anniversary. That would be fun to do. So, well, anyway, let's uh, let's go ahead and uh, put the uh, the community back in the corral, and uh, <laughs> we'll go ahead and get started with our review. Are you ready to uh, go to Brazil and look for some gold? I'm ready to start the mascot. 
Fitting into a very beautiful Rio countryside, we see the Tracker family enjoying tea with a mother and her daughter, in which we see Scott requesting a root beer. I guess the tea was nasty. <laughs> the daughter replies, much like T-Bob might, who would want to drink dirty roots? And then she chuckles it off. <laughs> Girl. Oh, all this tea is starting to rust my inside. Matt reminds Scott that they are on a mission. Senora de la Ramos, who is the, the mother, has donated an art collection for viewing, and Scott receives a back rub from T-Bob as he continues to complain about the Goya tea. De la Ramos's daughter wants to show Scott her rock collection and eagerly escorts him into the house. Scott comments that he prefers marbles since they roll and a caffeinated T-Bob transforms into scooter mode and just makes jokes about them rocking and rolling and as he basically spins out. That was pretty funny. It was. It was actually kind of comical, but uh, I guess I was looking at it too literally going, how do you spin out and never move anywhere? Uh, I'm used to cars, you know, the front wheels are typically locked or something. Uh, anyway, I digress. Uh, the daughter d discovers that her painting has been stolen. <gasps> oh, no, my painting's missing. No, stolen. I had my window locked. It wasn't valuable, but it was a present from my grandmother. I must tell her. Stealing a worthless painting? The robber must have had rocks in his head. As Scott looks out the window, we see Vanessa running away. Yeah, and uh, she's like hopping. I, I don't know. The animation for her was kind of weird right here. It almost looked like she was hopping up and down out of the picture. But uh, T-Bob, he pulls this acrobatic move underneath the balcony to remove the alarm transmitter. And he hands it to Matt. He notices the wires have been cut and says only one person could make a mark like that with a metal whip Vanessa Warfield this is kind of a tick for me I mean it must have been something peculiar you know about this transmitter I didn't really see anything myself to say oh those were done by a metal whip you know or something <laughs> electric whip um, didn't look burnt or anything yeah, I would think it would have been burnt or something but I think Scott maybe should have identified her and just showed the alarm transmitter to Matt and explain, you know, kind of why it didn't go off. Obviously, she was there. I mean, it didn't, didn't really have to go through all that detective work. I agree. In other words, but it was just a little tick. I mean, I thought the beginning was kind of hokey, you know. Only had one little joke there with T-Bob and that little... <laughs> well, usually we have like 20 by now. I know, but for the most part, it was, I kind of chuckled when he was you know, talking about the root beer and girls, you know, <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool, but anyway, after Matt identifies it's uh, Vanessa, he says, this isn't ice cream social anymore, and it's time to call in Mask, and uh, but I was kind of excited, yay, we got an early call up this time, it seemed like the, the last couple have been, you know, later in the episode, so... I figured we'd get some more action with the earlier call-up this time. Right. And we uh, fade back in on where, I guess, Matt and Scott and T-Bob, their quarters on this property where they're staying. And he uses a satellite link, of course, to connect to the mass computer with his laptop and request the best agents for 
The mission in Rio de Janeiro. Right. It's uh, a level one emergency, according to him. <laughs> uh, well, you got Venom on the scene. Uh, whether they're stealing paintings or stealing, you know, coins from a mint. Right. <laughs> you gotta gotta call in the team, but uh, this, you know, the, we get uh, what three agents this time. Uh, the computer chooses Alex, who, again, they call him the Rhino co-pilot. I guess he's technically the co-pilot in this episode, but. I still wish they'd stick with the Rhino Systems Commander label that they've used the whole show. Um, they need his broad-based scientific knowledge in this one, and he's in the middle of a chess match with a chimpanzee, and he <laughs> gets the call, and then another chimp steps into his place and really likes that. And then the next part of the call-up was really cool. I mean, they didn't go into detail like they did with Alex. I mean, they just call Dusty Hayes with the Gator vehicle and Gloria Baker with the Shark vehicle. No other reasons or anything there, but the the animation and the stuff with their cops were really good. Dusty's riding this horse, and he's getting ready to stop for water, but doesn't because he gets the call on his watch. We get this nice zoom in on the faucet, or the... Uh, the dripping faucet, right. Yeah, the outdoor there, the what do you call it, the pump, and it's this really kind of zoom in on that and fades back, and then for Gloria, we have these two race cars battling on this road course, and they pull alongside each other, and Gloria kind of waves hi and <laughs> passes the other car. She's got her mask watch wrapped around the steering wheel, and it goes off, and then she does this Yui on the track and drives past the same car as he looks back at her, and he turns around, he loses control, and he drives into the river. I thought, I don't know. I I really like the animation on both of those. Yeah, and, that was probably, um, and we'll get to it later, but that was probably one of the few highlights that I had found in this episode. Oh, really? Okay. Um, there was one little mistake here. If you noticed, when the cars are first shown, Gloria's car is on the left side, mm-hmm. but then when she gets up to pass them, she's you know on the right side of the road. That's just a little something I noticed there. But uh, after the cops, we cut back to Boulder Hill. There's no real strategy or anything uh, set up this time. It's just the agents ascending up into the mask room, and we get a quick energizing scene and then an abrupt rollout of the vehicles, which, okay, so they're going to Rio, but they – I love the rollout scenes when they do this. It's been a while since they actually did it, I think. But – (laughs) <laughs> we should have had a mask plane scene, really. They should have. The Rio. Because I, I but, made the comment: Are they driving all the way through Mexico to get to Brazil? <laughs> I guess. I don't, well, you know, like the last episode where they didn't show any mask plane. You know, they could have been driving to the airstrip or wherever they have it, and you know, take off from there. But they got for for the most part. I think they got Boulder Hill right this time with the masks and the normal music that they use and it's the watch sound was off again though yeah. it was it was even different from the last one they used what? and i really didn't care for this either but i didn't i guess i didn't weigh in too heavy on the little hiccups here and there on this episode but finally we uh we fade back in on the uh, rio ranch there right matt 
suggests that Scott goes sightseeing. However, Scott attempts to argue that he wants to go where the action is, of course. Maybe you do, but a nice quiet afternoon would suit me fine. Unless you'd rather stay, Scott, and have another tea party? Scott replies that he now knows why the Indians dumped the tea in the harbor. The trio walks off with a curious girl asking if the Indians drink tea with the duo, both shaking their heads. <laughs> it was almost like he said, I don't even want to explain it to you. I don't even take the time to explain it to you, yeah, little girl. Yeah, you could almost read that one. <laughs> Del Romos hands Matt a photo that has the painting in it. I found the photo you asked for, but the painting was worthless. There might be more here than meets the eye. Hmm, I wonder if he was working with Transformers on this. <laughs> Still in their... Uh, their line, uh, yeah. Yeah. With the electric guitar Venom theme playing, we come upon a rundown shack in the jungle with a determined Miles penciling on what must be the painting, but, but it looked like hieroglyphics as we hear Vanessa and Rax barking at one another. What are you doing, Rax? That's a waste. What was that thing? I made it especially for you. Will you two be quiet? After Miles quiets them down, Vanessa notices that he's looking at diamonds. He confirms but insists that the painting is a map that leads them to gold instead. Rax comments that you can't eat gold or anything Vanessa makes either. <laughs> Vanessa rubs right up against him and asks, Since when can your stomach tell the difference? Forget your hunger pains, Rax. Gold is the food of the gods, and I intend to savor every morsel. So when do we get started? Right now. This painting is actually a map. A map? Exactly. And we're going sightseeing to... Uh, then we're we're taken right back to our triple threat with the daughter noticing a pretty ring. Right, and before we get uh, any further, I just, I don't know, I really enjoyed the back and forth with Vanessa and Rax in this episode. And there was one little part, it was just, it was really subtle, but it just added to the, the tension that's there where she rubs up against them there with his shoulder and talks about when you can your stomach tell the difference and then Miles starts talking again and she pulls back away from him and he goes lunging forward right. <laughs> and he lets out this kind of oh and I, I don't know it just it was funny that they took the time to just put that in there real subtle but at the same time it adds to their whole back and forth you know in this episode right and then you know right before we go into you know, back to the marketplace here with Scott and T. Bob and the girl. Miles is explaining this, but it almost seems like they cut him off, which was, I think, intentional. Where he's telling them they're going to go sightseeing too, and then they they cut the scene right there. So they didn't really go into where they were going and basically what he's known from the map or whatever at this point, right. but. I thought that was good as well. Right, it adds a little um, more suspense to what we're trying to figure out. It, it did, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. So anyway, we're back at the marketplace uh, with Scott and T-Bob and the girl, and they're shopping. Uh, she notices some rings, and T-Bob wonders if they should get some as souvenirs. Well, <laughs> Scott says he's already had one of those in his nose, which I interpreted as... He comparing himself to like a mad bull right now right. for having to be around this girl, you know. 
the the girl she finds the shop where they actually bought the painting and Scott suggests that maybe they have another one so after they're looking through this big stack of paintings it appears that they don't it was just a painting of Indians and Sugarloaf Mountain then let's take the cable car up Sugarloaf maybe we'll find a clue to help dad he's uh almost taking venom in his own hands at this point I'd love to see that Trying to uh, mount it to T-Bob or something. <laughs> trying to get solve a little mystery, you know, himself or add a little, uh, add his little bit to the uh, to the mission. But of course, T-Bob objects. You know, this is the T-Bob we know. He says his batteries are weak, but Scott says the fresh air will recharge them. Uh, okay, really? And they uh, they leave for the to go to the cable car. Uh, the next scene we hear. The main Venom theme, which is good, and an awesome shot of Manta power sliding to a halt right towards the camera mm -hmm. in a cloud of dust, and Vanessa emerges from the driver's seat. And I really like this shot so much that I actually snagged it for one of those GIF images I put up on Pinterest. Um, it's just really cool the way the, the, the animation and her getting out and kind of standing there, you know, in kind of a dominant sort of stance, you know, when she gets out of there and just kind of surveys the what's going on. And she sees Mayhem and Dagger in this old structure. Dagger says there's nothing there. Uh, Vanessa looks over towards the beach and she sees Rax taking a nap on the piranha bike. And she walks over and picks up this old water pitcher amongst a bunch of junk and says, Some gold, Mayhem. And she finds a small little crab in the pitcher and she throws it, and it lands right on Rax's nose, and it pinches him. Of course, he wakes up from his uh, nice little nap and screams, Who did that? And Mayhem then ponders what he must have missed uh, on the map. So we cut back over to Mask now, who are now set up nearby, uh, basically on the same beach. Right, but they're on a like an overlook, more like a cliff. Sugarloaf Mountain. I always figured Mayhem had a sweet tooth, but I'll bet it's not cotton candy it's after. I'll cotton to that, Matt. It must be important for this much trouble. Matt jokes that they'll give him a toothache that he'll never forget. Dusty rushes up saying that Gloria found something. Peering down the cliff, they actually see Venom and the cable cars and his trucks to the vehicles. Matt starts Rhino with the turn signal switch. Uh, I somehow just caught that i don't know why it, it and this was just one of many and and you'll see later on and there's the mask motor sound effect but they put the helmets on by hand yeah i did notice that too that it sounded like the mask were lowering you know normally they they mask on or sometimes don't even do that and they actually pushed them onto their heads this time <laughs> but they still made the sound that was but there was, I mean, that was a cool, like, picture, nice picture-in-picture picture shots here mm -hmm. with them all. It was real quick, but they uh, did the split screen, and it was really cool when they put on their masks. Right. So Mask arrives with Venom noticing, and they begin fighting. A chuckling dagger transforms Jackhammer and begins blasting alongside Piranha, a gator who is cleverly dodging the blast. Impressively, Dusty is able to ride along the vertical wall which somehow leads to both Venom vehicles crashing. Uh, Switchblade rains down laser blasts on Rhino, 
but Ronald uses the large cannon to send two missiles up at Switchblade. One attaches and sends Switchblade towards the cable car. Switchblade is still blasting away and ends up cutting the cable with the trio still inside and they're screaming and dangling from this tower. Matt belts out a scream for Scott and T-Bub, which I like. This is Doug really getting into the character here. Scott! T-Bub! That'll keep him busy while we look for gold. The single cable on the cable car begins to untangle, unravel, with T-Bob and Scott yelling for help. This is where we fade out with Matt driving Rhino to the commercial. Now, what's your rating right now at the commercial break? Um, I was really impressed by the look of this episode, mainly. Um, there was some great animation, and I mean, I had a few ticks, but nothing really major really to make me move my meter down to you know a 4 i would say it would be somewhere between a 4 and a 5 at this point the story wasn't all that compelling but i liked that it wasn't fully revealed yet either so there was still that mystery of what was going to happen with this uh treasure and it, i will give it you know it was somewhat coincidental that matt was there and they were just happened to go after this painting that where he was staying at, you know, it was, we, we always kind of mark down those episodes where it's more coincidental than it is venom terrorizing and having a, a specific plot or plan, you know, to conquer the world, so to speak. But so where are you at with this one? Well, I think you're going to get an indicator of where this is going. I, I liked the animation like you. I liked the uh, I loved Vanessa's power slide with Manta and, and the way that the camera view was pointed. I liked the overlook shot from the cliff. I really liked that, and I love that you can capture that now with the panoramic snapshots that you do with that. Aside from that, I don't know if I was having a bad day when I watched this, but <laughs> things were just rubbing me wrong with this whole episode. Uh, really? The when we see Gloria racing and 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 you even touched on it where where it looks like it's kind of the wrong roadway the wrong uh-huh. picture with them running side by side the uh, the turn signal switch I realize it's just minor it's a cartoon but the turn signal switch really starts the truck <laughs> there's heat in that truck I know that much they're they're high tech thing they are not that high tech. Uh, <laughs> I did like, now, we're at halftime you know, here, so I don't want to go too far into our review, but I, I think I was kind of the opposite. I was in awe of the, basically, the look and the feel of the animation. It almost felt like a different cartoon that we were watching that maybe I didn't notice or, you know, uh, mark down all those little ticks more on my, uh, my meter just because I was I'm just impressed with it. Right. So... I, I guess we were both going in different directions. In I, think, because I, I saw the animation, but the, the little things were, again, they were just seeming to just like a radar blip. Something was up with this yeah, episode. Yeah. 
the battery weak thing that uh, T Bob mentions, you know, getting weak because of the altitude. And then I realize it's probably just a joke that Scott's trying to 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 say, but you know, the Mountaineer will recharge him. Really? Is he wind powered <laughs> now? So I was just I was not happy with this episode. Um I did like the shortened but reoccurring mask energizer room clip. I like that. Uh I like the longer bit sometimes, but this is very succinct. You see it, okay, they're on the road. Love yep, that. Yep. I did like the back and forth of the groups going back before back and forth from uh, mask and venom, but I'm if I could market anything, I'm I'm at a three right now already. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, this might be a record setting right here. A mask. <laughs> well, uh, let's get on with the episode before we uh, reveal too much more in the review. But uh, we get back on scene. We see Rhino shooting its lasers up from the smokestack guns at the cable car. Hurry, man! The wire's almost gone. If I could just keep the lasers going in a steady stream, they'll weld the cable wire together. I didn't know lasers could do that, but I don't know. Maybe they have a different setting or something to to work. I I really would have liked, and this was just a tick or uh, something that I thought about here. I really would have liked for him to use Ultra Flash here. Yes. Because, you know, we're getting, uh, we don't get Thunderhawk this episode. He's in Rhino. And he's in his, you know, new getup, and we don't get to use the mask at all. So that was kind of a tick that I had. It would have been nice to use that and have that kind of capability maybe with the mask instead of using Rhino's smokestack guns. But anyway, inside the cable car, Scott looks at the ground below, and there's a nice little close-up of the ground here from above or, or from a, like a blurry shot. I like the animation when he looks down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the laser trick works, and the cable is welded back together, and it rises back up to the top of the wire where it was dangling from. Uh, from below, the team looks on, and Alex says he'll use the jackrabbit to get the kids down. Well, Matt says it doesn't look like he'll need that because T-Bob basically carries the two kids out of the car, and he converts the scooter mode and drives down the wire to safety like he was in the circus or something. <laughs> Well, I was. This is funny though. His he has a real serious look oh, on his yeah. face, and I was like, "Yeah, go get him, T Bob." Uh, of course, they don't thank him when he. <laughs> they, they never thank him, poor T Bob. But uh, as they get close down the wire, uh, Dusty gives them approval at least with a yeehaw, and they'll be coming down the mountain when they come here, whatever he <laughs> says. <laughs> Matt tells T-Bob to let go of the kids when they get close, and then they land in the arms of Matt and Alex. And T-Bob stops. He kind of loses his balance and falls off the uh, beam, and everybody gets a nice little chuckle. No thank you for poor T-Bob. Right. The girl, she wonders who these people are. Don't you worry, Maria. They're friends of mine. You kids go home. Your uh, families will be worried. Yes, sir. I kind of like the way he said that, you know, Scott, what are you getting? Your, see, you always trying to scold him without giving away their identity and <laughs> with the girl being there, you know. Um, Scott walks off with the girl saying, has she heard about the time he cruised down the Amazon? And Gloria asks Matt about Venom, and he tells her uh, he planted a homing device on Switchblade, 
and they'll be tuned into Venom's party line. Now, this was uh, a couple of things here. You know, when he first, when they shot the missiles up, I thought they were going to pull one of those magnetic tricks where, you know, Switchblade goes zipping in circles, you know, with those things that attach to the the wings that they've done before. But I was glad that they, he just did the, the homing device this time. And then there was nice work where they adjusted Doug's voice when he took the mask off and he was basically talking normal again. Um, I did notice that. But after we learned that Mask is going to be listening in on Venom, we uh, arrive back at Venom's hideout. Right, and Miles is perplexed with the map. He suggests that Dagger and Sly look at it, tossing it onto the table next to Dagger. He uh, grabs a cup of coffee, and Sly takes a sip and spits it right out. (laughs) Vanessa should give up fighting. She can kill with her coffee. Here's mud in your eye. Lousy pitch, Vanessa. Hey, look! The paint's wiping away! What? Miles sees that the revealed map points to the Nazi gold. Eavesdropping, Mask now understands what Venom is after. Alex talks about how he had heard that the story was just rumors. Scott turns to T-Bob and tells him in unbelief. He opens up the small lid on his head, tosses a nut in the top, smacks his head, and out comes a deshelled nut as T-Bob hiccups. You hear that, T-Bob? Nazi gold. That's nuts. That was probably the funniest bit out of the whole cartoon right there. T-Bob the nutcracker. That was hilarious. I didn't even know there was a smaller (laughs) lid on T-Bob's head. I don't know. I, like I said, I, I've, I've been having a hard time with this episode. I, I did like the back and forth banter with Rex and Vanessa. It's it's really putting a little more meat, uh, yeah. filling in some cracks. But the, the cartoon, and typically a cartoon, is just there for kids' enjoyment. But this is helping to fill some gaps in the storyline, at least in my observation. Yeah, it was just basically letting some of their personality come out where you don't usually get a lot of personality other than just the way that they present the lines or you know maybe a few little subtle things here and there but having a true you know <laughs> argument and and the whole back and forth with them was was just fun i mean it was just fun to to include that in there miles reads the coordinates out with mask continuing to listen in we're back to venom we see Vanessa retrieving the coffee pot. She turns to discover the homing device on Switchblade. A homing device. Wait, Mayhem! They found the homing device. We have all the information we need. Mask to the sugar loaf. So we get to the, uh, there's this nice little descent into the mouth of this cavern that's uh, on Sugarloaf. And we see the Venom vehicles inside with the agents searching crates and abandoned military vehicles. Mayhem and Vanessa both voice that they haven't found anything yet. Rax finds some old food cans. He opens one up with a loud yuck and asks Vanessa if she made it. (laughs) Again, I mean, I'm laughing. Vanessa, who was looking inside a tank, this is really good too. She emerges wearing a helmet 
and pointing a bazooka at Brax, asking, what did you say? And he's like, you know, cowering back. I thought that was funny. He tells her to cut it out as, you know, like the bazooka might go off or something. He drops the old can of food and it rolls into a nearby uh, pond inside this cave. Vanessa tells him to look as this school of piranha fish come and basically consume it. Rax kicks another can of food in there and wanders off saying the Nazis must have left in a big hurry. I didn't understand why he said that. I mean, were they scared of the piranha? or I, I just didn't make that connection there. Right. Vanessa says, If they left that fast, they probably didn't have time to bury the gold. You're right, Vanessa. So they dumped it. There. As the camera pans over and we see sparkling uh, in the pond itself. We cut over to Mask and uh, their vehicles on this dirt road. They stop, and Matt says there's a fork in the road, and he asks Alex to use Rhino's uh, terrain scanner or something like that to the scout ahead. Location scanner. Yes. Uh, and Gloria says that Venom's tracks clearly lead up the mountain as Dusty walks up the road, saying they must have been in a hurry not to cover their tracks. And that kind of makes sense if they... I was trying to think back, you know, well, they knew that Mask was onto them, they might have known where their location was or where their hideout was based on that tracker, but I was trying to figure out if maybe they knew that they had heard them as well. But that part makes sense that if they were thought mask were that if they just knew where their hideout was, they didn't care about covering up their tracks or whatever, you know. Anyway, um Alex picks up the uh, landmines on the scanner in the road near Dusty. Dusty, stop! Huh? We cut right back over to Mask, and we see Dusty is now wrapped in this aura shield and gently lowered to the ground. Gloria says, that was too close, as Dusty thanks her. So I thought that was a good Mm -hmm. use of the mask there, and uh, I like that Venom set a booby trap there for them, and, you know, Dagger's evil laugh there. I thought that was really good. Right. We get back to the cavern, and the piranha sub ejects as a switchblade lands near shore. Dagger walks up saying his uh, extra job paid off. Miles asks if that was the explosion that he evidently heard as Vanessa says Mask will have to take the long way around. Right, but here's a big tick with me. They're having a conversation... That's, while Switchblade is going. While Switchblade <laughs> is hovering with the canopy open, and they're casually just chit-chatting. Now, I realize Airwolf has stealth mode, but even then you hear the pop, 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 pop from the rotor. Right. So, right. I did mark that down as well. <laughs> it was kind of silly to see them talking back and forth, and you still seeing the rotors on you know Switchblade. <laughs> I would understand it partially if they were wearing their masks. I would understand it a lot more than... There's nothing, no headset, no nothing. They're just, hey, dude, what's up? <laughs> so. Then right after this, uh, Mayhem checks in with Rax. Right, and we see that the sub has turned into a bulldozer, loading the gold onto a net. 
He instructs Miles to take it up. He makes a small quip about, I want gold bars, not gold fish, as we see a fish fall out of the net. Matt radios to Miles, saying, Dragging your tail again, Venom? Sorry things aren't going to go as you planned. Here's a little something to make sure of that. uses the rhino exhaust stack laser and cuts the rope from the from the net, dropping all of the gold bars onto the piranha sub. A panicked Rax climbs out without his mask and gets caught momentarily, which was actually kind of cool to see him like swim mm-hmm. more rapidly, like he's like trying to survive or whatever. And then he right. swims, swims up to the surface. Miles threatens that mask won't get away with this and turns to blast lasers out. The torch mask lowers onto Dagger with him shifting the truck into gear and then blasting lasers at Gator. Dusty says that that freak's getting close as the lasers eat the road away behind Gator. Dusty opens up the Gator Jeep chassis and uses the freeze ray on the lake. Uh, I was starting to wonder why, since he has the Gator boat, why he didn't just you know, jump it out. But then, this was actually really cool. He pulls a basically a cool jump over Jackhammer, then uses the backlash to knock Dagger off of the turret and onto the ice where he has to fend off from the jumping piranhas. That was actually yeah, a good trick. Yeah, it was different. It was definitely something I wasn't expected. I was thinking like you, that he was going to raise it up, the Gator Brett was going to come out, and he's going to somehow turn around and, and try to shoot at Jackhammer from the pond, but... I didn't understand really why he needed to raise the chassis. I mean, I, I guess he was using the he was using the gun on the boat, but I don't know. I guess the the roof gun on Gator is not a freeze cannon. It's the what do you call it? The ouch cannon or electric yeah. ouch cannon or something? I don't I don't know. Anyway, I guess that's why he raised it up because that was the only freeze gun. Uh, on Gator, but yeah, I, I don't know. I thought it was cool, and in that slow motion through the ice and over Jackhammer, I thought that was a really cool shot as well. Manta and Shark race around the cave, playing hide and seek, and then we see laser blast with Manta jumping over top of Shark and racing away. Vanessa begins to bump Shark, attempting to push her off the cliff. Gloria says, "Don't get carried away." as she quickly turns the corner with Vanessa jumping into the water then swimming to shore with the piranhas nipping at her. As she chuckles, she continues getting blasted by the lasers. Yeah, that that whole scene kind of reminded me of the call-up sequence with the with the two cars there and uh, just them battling it out and and stuff. I thought that was a I thought that was a pretty good scene. Gloria, she's laughing as she thinks she's won this little battle with Manta, but actually she, she was a little premature as uh, this the laser fire from Switchblade causes these stalactites to fall from the cavern ceiling, and one which actually penetrates the roof into the passenger seat. Uh, she maneuvers Shark away from more falling debris as Rhino arrives on scene with Alex saluting her as if to say, we've got it from here. Mayhem laughs from inside Switchblade at the return fire from Rhino. <laughs> Your wimpy lasers wouldn't get me. 
Uh, Mayhem launches a switchblade missile that impacts near Rhino, causing it to become stuck. Uh, the animation and the, the brightness they used from the explosion here was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. really like that. Uh, Matt wonders how they can stop Mayhem without using rockets. I guess they can't fire them inside a cave? I'm not sure why he couldn't shoot at Mayhem. Maybe he's worried about the stalactites falling down again. Uh, didn't make that connection, but... Um, Alex suggests the through a bunch of technological jargon that I couldn't understand <laughs> to essentially use the battering ram grill to smash against the cave wall and vibrate the stalactites from the ceiling onto the switchblade. This happens in the the copper blades are bent and switchblade crashes right on top of Jackhammer. What are you doing? This ain't no landing strip. Mayhem tells him to get out as Dagger and Vanessa enter Jackhammer and take off. They exit the cave with the Piranha Bike following close behind. It, it took me a couple rewinds here, but I did see Piranha. It almost looked like shadows, and I was like, what happened to Rax? And uh, I did see him uh, tailing them behind. Uh, Dusty tells them that they're getting away with Matt saying, for now, but we've got the gold. I guess... He would rather add to his bank account than catch Venom I this time. So. <laughs> Looks like Venom just lost a golden opportunity. And it couldn't have happened to a nicer bunch. The final scene, we fade back to Senora Del Ramos's ranch. Matt thanks her for her help. I'm not sure if he meant the picture she gave him or for her donation that they were saying at the beginning, the, the painting she was donating. She says she hopes he can now enjoy the rest of his visit to Rio. And we get Scott and T-Bob approaching with Matt, asking where they're going in such a hurry. To show Maria our treasure map. We just bought it at the flea market. Then we're going to pan for gold. Ooh, gold, if you ask me. There was a mistake here with hearing Matt laugh, but he wasn't actually laughing on the screen. Did you catch that? I saw that. Yeah, just a a tick in my mind, but that fades us right into our PSA. Right. At a junkyard, we see Scott and T-Bob playing hide-and-seek with a refrigerator. T-Bob, you should never hide in an unused refrigerator. There's no air in there, and no one can hear you. He could also suffocate. Which tells me that T Bob's motor must still run. Otherwise, I have no idea why T Bob, a robot, needs air. Uh, a light headed appearing T Bob gains his composure and simply says, Thanks, Scott. And that's the end of it. Well, I'm going to go to you and see what your rating is. I, again, I, this episode must have caught us both on on separate days because there was a lot that I pulled out of this episode that was good. I mean, just especially the draw, it was well drawn and it was well animated. And like I said it before, it, at times it just felt like a different show altogether. Like, well, are we watching mask? I mean, cause I mean, this is great. This is just almost felt, felt like a brand new animation team stepped in. You know, at some points, there was great shadowing effects that you know looked straight out of a comic book. Um, the 
the couple that stood out for me was uh, well, there's one with Mayhem when he's inside Switchblade, and uh, there's another one with Matt. I can't remember when it was, but it just seemed there were several new kind of styles with the characters walking and interacting with each other. Um, some great focused shots, you know, something in the distance, and then it comes, and it's like the camera zooms in, you know, with someone in the foreground. I, I, all of that just kind of, I don't know, raised the bar, I guess, for me going forward. That I'm, I'm hoping uh, the episodes going forward are going to be up to this style. But uh, to cut to the chase, basically, um, I gave it a 4.5. I there was some ticks, but I don't know. It just seemed like the between the interaction with Vanessa and Rax and the animation and everything. Um, I dropped it down a little bit. It wasn't like a perfect episode or anything, but I'm still going to give it a five, round it up and give it a five. Um, Vanessa's personality really showed through in this episode with her arguing with Rax and just the overall, you know, how did I end up working with these idiots? That kind of attitude, sarcasm and, you know, all of that. She just really shined in this episode. The writing of the, the, the dialogue was good. I honestly laughed out loud several times throughout the episode and some gen- very genuinely funny situations, you know, with Rax and Vanessa right. and t- tossing the coffee back and forth and <laughs> the spit takes and stuff. Uh, uh, you know, maybe I was too used to expecting those puns that I just really enjoyed the humor between them in this episode. Um, you know, like I said, there was some bad things. There were some logistical problems when Mask shows up in the cavern. One scene, Switchblade is in the air, and then the next, Mayhem is then taking off without, you know, landing or whatever. There was a, a few things like that. Um, the PSA had a good lesson, I guess, but, you know, here we are again giving T-Bob human characteristics yeah. with some with being able to potentially suffocate, you know. I guess the producers, you're using T-Bob in all these bad circumstances instead of Scott for fear that someone would try it. That's that's that all I can think of. what's actually happening. Looking back on it now, of course, it seems stupid to see T-Bob in there instead of Scott, but that, that's the only reason I can think of right. um, that they're using him. The ending was a little hard to figure out from what I interpreted. It was like Matt made up this special map painting for the kids to find the treasure that they had just found, you know, and the fool's gold was kind of a hint towards venom. Um, so I don't know how they were going to, you know, basically explain, uh, the, the finding the gold, I guess. One of the major things, I guess, again, I think I said this last episode, there's a lack of the masks being used. Yes. No one on Venom used their mask the entire episode, except for the implied, you know, Vanessa using the whip mask at the beginning wasn't showed. Um, we had one use of Aura and then Backlash, and that was it. We didn't get Ultra Flash. You know, there was a hint at using Jackrabbit that one time to go rescue them, but they're not using them. I mean, come on, let's get some battles. We It's been a while since we had a good mask battle, exactly. you know. And then again, I wasn't really fond of how that the cable car was repaired with the lasers, but I didn't really count that too much against the rating, obviously. But I'm almost afraid, <laughs> almost afraid to to kick it back over to you. But um, what was your rating on this one? 
Well, this is a first for us. Maybe I should rewatch it before I re- give this rating. Um, I'm right at a two. I was wow. I was so miffed. The detail was there. The, the animation was better than expected. The way that they used the cameras, like you said, the, the camera focus and, and so forth. The interaction with Rax and Vanessa was awesome. The jokes were actually hilarious. Not, are you really going to tell that type of joke? I mean, really, type of uh, that we usually get from T. Bob, at least in that realm. I, I like, like you said, the, the shadow, the, the the reflection on his face from the gold was even great. I like the freeze ray jump scene. I like the the voice changeover that they did with uh, Matt. It's good that they actually have the detail there. But it's like they went from one extreme to the other. They proved the animation. They got a little more detail-oriented there. But then they screwed up everything else. Uh, (laughs) They, again, screwed up the mask watch communicator once again. So I I think that's what set me off was that. I don't know. But come on, figure one out and just leave it alone. Even if it's the worst one, figure it out and just keep it. Yeah, I hear you. A bit of pauses that added to the length of the cartoon. I spotted one, and it might have only been one second, but it was still a a pause. It didn't need to be there. One of them I caught at um, when they're climbing out of the window to analyze that that alarm. There was a pause, and I don't remember to milk like stretch that episode two or three seconds, but that's where I saw one of them. I was a little puzzled at the cars uh, exiting Boulder Hill garage again. It's cool to see them leaving. And again, we saw it last episode where basically the transport plane must have been implied. But here it is again. They're going overseas. At least give us a glimpse of the, the, the transport plane, something. Yeah, they just it was just the wrong episode to put that in there. When Vanessa and Rax are bickering, I thought it was food that they were talking about, but I did not see it at all until uh, he referenced Vanessa's cooking. So there was like no food anywhere. So I thought it was, I guess I was reading into it or or having like doubts until they started talking about the cooking. I guess I just got confused in the joke uh, there. When we come on to Matt and Alex looking at the painting in the map in the Rhino Command Center, He's wearing his Spectrum gray flight suit, if you look. Yes, I did notice that. And it flips back to the Ultra Flash, and that's what we see the rest of the time. Come on, attention to detail. (laughs) There's the incorrect sound effect for the mask when they put them on by hand. And then, like I said, uh, the the starting uh, starting up Rhino with the turn signal switch. Uh, We already identified the, the conversation with Switchblade running without masks. Just didn't sit well with me. There was no voice command for backlash. I did not hear one. It just a boom. Uh, yeah, I, I think you're right with that, and I think they used the right sound effect for it, though. They did use the right sound effect. Just, there was just no command. I was confused at how Dagger got into the turret gun so quickly and Jackhammer before he got booted. Yeah, I did. I do remember thinking about that. I don't know if it was here or. Maybe it was earlier in the episode or something, but 
we still haven't figured that all out yet. We've seen Vanessa go up in there one time from the passenger mm-hmm. seat, but we have not figured out the logistics of how Dagger from the driver's seat gets up into the turret. Right. And it took us... If you did, if you did look at that, though, I do believe there was a steering wheel up there. I remember when he drives from it, because there's been times where he has. And I'm sure it's like a... It's on some type of hydraulic system or whatever yeah. thing, but it was a split second. It was almost like they made a mistake like they did with the uh, Spectrum flight suit. They just made it. To me, it looked like they made a mistake, but again, I don't know. It took us the, almost the entire episode to learn that the daughter's name was Maria. I mean, really? We could have, not that it's a big deal, but you noticed I referenced the whole time it was uh, Della Ramos's daughter. I did that on purpose because you didn't know who that was until near the end of the episode. It was Maria. Yeah. Um, I noticed that Scott has two laughs as he approaches Matt at the end, but there's no laugh. We already identified that too. Um, there is a small glitch in Scott's voice at the end. It's almost like a stutter or maybe a pause when he what is gold. It's actually on the on that word when they're panning for gold at the flea market. Yeah, I I just I was not happy with this episode. Uh, it's like they had the attention to detail for the animation and such, but they didn't have anything for like the little the little tiny things. Like like I said, like even okay, they're using Ultra Flash's suit. Come on, just paint the guy red and call it a day. We'll, <laughs> we'll get over the lines if it's that big of a deal. Come on. <laughs> I, I again, maybe I just need to rewatch this episode and say maybe it's a three. Um, but I was just, I think I'm a loner too. If I, I look, I look, took a peek at the ratings. I think I'm the loner. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I, I'm trying to think if there was an episode where we've had such a difference, like a. Th- well, if we have. It's usually, you usually write low, and I usually write pretty high. But this one just, like I said, got me wrong. Well, yeah, I, you know, in talking about it with you and going through, I might be going against some of my, you know, previous markdowns as far as, you know, it, like I said, it being a coincidence that they were there and just all the ticks kind of adding up. Um, I almost got, you taught me at least maybe down to a four, but I don't know. Like I said, I, I was blinded by the, how awesome this the whole animation and the way it was drawn and I, I don't know I was I was just so into that and so focused on the different shots that they were using and uh, the new animation of just people walking around and stuff um, I don't know like I said it just it just felt like a new team was brought in to do this episode maybe there was uh, we'll have to look at the credits <laughs> well I, I think they just listed as you know, everybody that worked on it and they don't necessarily go, it doesn't necessarily change by episode. Cause I did kind of look that up to see if it was, there's a way to tell, but I don't know. Just like I said, I must've been blinded by it because even those little ticks and stuff that I found wasn't enough to, to mark it down for me. But I don't know, probably it should be somewhere in the middle of our two yeah. <laughs> ratings. <laughs> 
So anyway, before we get into the listener feedback, uh, did you take anything out of this episode to our uh, movie script? Two things. I did. We actually have um, a lot of bickering in ours, in our movie script, with Vanessa basically bickering with Rax and Dagger. Yes. And the second one I noticed is um, where she's basically cooking food or whatever. She, this is really loose, but uh, in our, when we first see Venom kind of formed up as Venom in our movie, uh, she's bringing in like, a bag of donuts and yeah. a container of coffee, if you will. So that's what I caught. Presumably, did you see anything? That's yeah, and that's what I had written down. Um, I think that scene you're talking about in our script, uh, Rax even sarcastically jokes about a uh, breakfast of champions or something yeah. with uh, <laughs> Vanessa. You know, give him a dirty look or something. I can't exactly remember. It, 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 that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, I did remember the line though. I think I added that one in there. But yeah, that was that was basically what I took away. This um, there was no you know treasure hunting or anything like that in in our script. It's more more of an action flick, you know. But that the personalities we I think we really tried to make those come out uh, mainly on the Venom side and how they interact with each other and also with mayhem and this whole plan that he has set out and their lack of faith in it, you know, uh, as the, as the movie goes on. So that's what I, uh, I took out of it. Um, let's, uh, let's go over to see what the listeners took out of this episode. And if we look at the poll, we've got 13 votes total. Uh, seven of those were for five. Four votes for a four. We had one three. We had your two and no ones. So you were definitely on the lower end of uh, <laughs> this the uh, the polling the rating system uh, on this one, right? Wyatt and uh, we did have two comments. Our buddy Anna says uh, this is one of my favorite episodes in the entire series still i have some problems explaining why i like it so much i think it has a lot to do with the animation the animation in this episode is the best i've seen in the mask series some of the close-up animation of the characters is really stunning i also love the scenes with rax and vanessa the dialogue makes me wonder if there's something going on between them especially when (laughs) vanessa says that she cooks something especially for him (laughs) <laughs> the storyline is good as well, but not as out of the ordinary as in my other favorite episodes. Well, that's yeah, a point. That's a, you know, like Jason and I both commented that you know they had a lot better animation uh, going on here in this episode. But right. she also brings up a good point about the uh, maybe they tried to imply something that's going on between the two. Well, it's almost like they used to be together and now they're exes or something, you know. <laughs> like she's cooking up something especially for him that she knew was horrible or whatever, you know, <laughs> in advance. Uh, <laughs> it was Kate. That was, uh, oh, just kidding. <laughs> uh, and then we have one more comment from Stig. One of the best episodes, and this episode features some pretty impressive animation for its time. And the interaction between Rax and Vanessa is fun to watch, but makes you think 
what's going on between them. Yeah. So another one. He uh, <laughs> yeah, he had the same assessment that Anna kind of did with that. So. Well, that's going to about do it for our episode review and actually going to do it for this 10-episode section of the series. We hope to uh, do an overview in MassCast 42 of episodes 21 through 30, and we'll reflect back on our ratings and uh, some listener feedback. We'll also then compare our verdict of episodes 1 to 10 and 11 to 20 to see how this section kind of matches up in the mask series so we will be putting up a poll pretty soon if you go over to agentsofmask.com and the new assignment will be choosing your favorite episodes from 21 to 30 and we will come back hopefully before the year is out and give you our review of that and hopefully some feedback from you as well our listeners we're getting close to Christmas here Wyatt you got a Christmas plans coming up uh, nothing really. We're going to just stay home. Uh, we're going to invite the grandparents down. I don't know if they'll come, but we're going <laughs> to down. How about you? We, uh, we're actually going to Florida. We're going to go visit the in-laws down there and, uh, spend another Christmas on the beach. That uh, must be nice. So, <laughs> well, the, uh, the nine-hour drive isn't very nice, but <laughs> hopefully we'll get to, we might be able to get to see some other friends and stuff, too while we're down there but um we uh hope to be back uh after christmas and we'll hopefully get this uh one more episode in before 2015 arrives and then we'll get a chance to do some fun stuff hopefully next year sounds great well like uh jason just said uh we're having a great time we have many plans coming up in the next year but until then we want to wish you all a merry christmas and thanks for listening to mascot Man, yeah. Shut up and let's get out of here! Yes, sir!